0: Welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I'm joined as always with my co-host Alex Adams. Hi
1: Jai, how are you? I'm really good. Yeah. Yeah,
0: really yeah, good. good. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Feeling good. I'm excited. How was your how was your um triathlon?
1: Oh, it was good. Yes, my first I did a triathlon on the weekend. First one ever and survived. Mm. Ooh, I'm actually kind of hooked. Yeah. Tained to do it again? <laughs> yeah.
0: Get the Lycra back on?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did wear Lycra. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I great. saw. <laughs> uh, there's nothing flattering about. That
0: no, That tri- tri- no, there stings. wasn't. There wasn't at all.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, that's so mean. Yeah,
0: but I promise I'll do the next one.
1: Okay, there you go. you're going to do it with it's, me?
0: It's a recorded promise. So
1: far we've already um, promised that we're going to do several things. Fuck, we're going we to do a triathlon. That, yeah, anyway. We're going to start comedy. Mm. Um, maybe we'll we'll start, you know, well, you, the, the thing we're talking about today you're already very involved in. Oh, yeah. I feel like if you could, you'd drop motorcycle culture into pretty much every part, I podcast would. we do. would. I definitely would. Um, we even dedicated, for anyone who hasn't listened to this episode, we even dedicated a whole episode to motorcycle <laughs> customization. <laughs> With James Sinclair from Spreadsheets, which admittedly I thought was going to be so boring, but was actually really fascinating, but especially when he started opening up about microdosing. And mushrooms, yeah. Yeah, as a way to solve creative problems. Yeah, And if you haven't listened
0: to that episode, <laughs> there's a version I released where that is at the end, but I think the episode that is out now, it's in the middle where it was because I had to edit it back in because we had to turn the recording back on when he started oh, saying about it.
1: And, you know, in the whole time I was like, oh, it's boring, boring, motorcycle. Blah, blah, blah. And then he started talking <laughs> about like, oh, I microdose when I want to then solve a I become a creative one with problem. the metal. That <laughs> was the line. That was my favourite part. Anyway, so listeners might be surprised to know that today's guest is someone I've, I've actually invited onto the show. Um, Mark is, um, like Jai, a classic car and motorcycle enthusiast, he's also the founder of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, which is an annual event where motorcycle enthusiasts wear their finest attire and take to the streets in their city to raise money for worthwhile charities and have a good time. Uh, started in 2012 and the event attracts now over 125,000 participants globally across over 700 cities. To date, they've raised over $19 million for prostate Fuck. cancer research and male suicide prevention. Incredible stuff. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you.
2: Is it completely dicky if I start with saying $35 million? Oh, uh, no. I knew that
1: you were good. You need to update your LinkedIn profile, my friend. I hate LinkedIn. I
2: went premium today on LinkedIn because <laughs> I wanted so to expensive. send the um, guys that own Moscot. Sunglasses a message and I found the owner. I thought, hey, all right, I gotta go premium and then I looked at it and I've gone, I didn't really need to update this and I ended up putting in the Distinguished Gentleman's Drive. So I'm halfway there. I'll update the numbers tomorrow. I mean thirty-five
1: million. Wow. Like did you ever think that it would be this big when you started in two thousand and twelve?
2: Uh, there was part of me that um, – the ego part of me that thought it was going to be big and then there was the realistic part of me which thought it was going to be small or nothing. Mm. Um, it's it's a weird one, right? I mean, I've always had sort of these ideas and always pushed to create things but they don't always get a plan and it sort of feels like sometimes there's a big sense of luck involved. And when I started the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, it was – At first, it was more of a mentality of, hey, let's just break this stereotype and why does everything have to be associated with charity? And I was, you know, you could probably even quote me on saying that back when I was 26, 27. And then um, the year after, we started focusing on uh, prostate cancer because a mate of ours worked for the Prostate Cancer Foundation Australia. We thought, "Fuck it, let's raise some money for men." Yeah. And I set the goal at 250 grand. And every single one of my mates told me I was fucking mental. <laughs> and on the day we're at, uh, we finished up at Fox Studios, which is now called Entertainment Quarter. Entertainment Quarter. That was the old Easter show grounds, by the way, Mm. when we were kids. Anyway, and um, on the day I just heard all this cheering and clapping and I sort of went outside and everyone just said, hey, the website just ticked over, you guys have hit 250 grand. And that's when I was like, all right, we're definitely onto something here. Let's, uh, Let's keep on pushing it and see how far we can go.
0: When this started, was it motorbikes first or charity first? It was motorbikes first. And how how did that start?
2: Uh, it was just a weird one. I just woke up one morning and literally just thought I really want to get a motorbike and <laughs> didn't really come from anywhere. It was just I must have had an awesome dream. <laughs> Mind out of the gutter guy. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. I'm like, was it a good dream? It was, was it a bad dream. It you was needed a motorbike so awesome. fix <laughs> And then um and then I went and got my motorcycle license and I went to Japan for four weeks and fell in love with the custom motorcycle mm. culture. And basically came back to Australia, bought a Yamaha SR500. Nice. Thought I was so fucking cool. <laughs> cool. Started modifying it, and then <laughs> New uh, mirrors first. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I'm so cool. I've got the jacket and the <laughs> helmet. And then I, um, and then four weeks later, I was bored shitless because I had no mates that rode motorbikes, and all my crew from high school. None of them were interested in motorbikes. Down just, south it's all about cars. Yeah, they're all just car fast guys. Class fours and that's it. And so um I started Sydney Cafe Races, which is was just uh you know, just a community group.
0: Oh. and from
2: there it just turned into myself and now it's like a few hundred active members, six thousand sort of yeah, say, it's, members on the group. Yeah.
1: But hang on, what what's your background? Like are you did you go to uni, have you? you trained in any particular discipline have you um, always been a creative
2: Macquarie's Andre Long Walks on the Beach yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no 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 it was um, so out of high school <laughs> so I, I used to DJ alright yeah. so I DJ'd up until I was 25 or 26 but out of high school I went into music business Yeah. Um, and I did an advanced diploma in music business so that sort of taught me some of the business side the management mm. side
1: yeah.
2: um, the repertoire side all that sort of stuff as well as even the legal side of it and we're just managing bands and doing all that sort Of stuff, and uh, I got a job working for twoies, yeah. So I was the in the office at twoies at Lidcombe, and then I think less than a year I got fast tracked to do a secondment looking after all the pubs and nightclubs from like Martin Place onto mm-hmm. uh the rocks. Wow. so it was a cool area for a 23 year old ethnic looking dude <laughs> to mm. be the B rep for twoies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a little bit of awkwardness there with some of the older, really. Ones totally white people, Um, but (laughs) you can not edit that one out. Um, And then from there I started, I went overseas for a few months, uh, left Tui's and then started managing pubs, nightclubs, cafes, but always ran events. Even when I was under 18s, I was doing under 18s dance parties. Wow. Uh, do you remember that guy, Corey Worthington? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> How could anyone forget? Yeah. When he threw that big party, I think it was less than less than two days. I had these T shirts pressed up that said save Corey. Oh my god. <laughs> it was like Ferris Miller's <laughs> yeah. Day off and I had the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Was that on the
0: news or something? Or am I
2: just uh, it wasn't on the news. Or <laughs> the party was definitely on the news, yeah. but I ended up selling like three, four hundred shirts. People that. are people in like Dubai buying the shirts. <laughs> It was really funny actually because the guy that built my website it was, it was a 13 year old that um, a DJ mate of mine introduced me to because I really needed a website. And that <laughs> 13 year old, just as of today, has worked for me for five years full time. Really? Oh, that's so, yeah. cool. so he worked on and off for me since he <laughs> was 13 and even part time when we first started and full time exactly five yeah. years ago today. Strange how the world works. So I guess background is a bit of absolutely everything yep. parties. Yeah. Graphics. I used to lower cars on Photoshop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I used to, you know, cut around the wheel arches, yeah. drop the car, drop it down yeah, a yeah, bit. So, wait,
1: you've always been creative. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Well, that sounds like, yeah. you, you know, you've worked in music, you've worked in, you know, you produce music yourself and events, and that's that's yeah. that's a creative industry. Is that something that you. Was that. You know, we always bring. I love chatting about this topic about nature versus nurture. Like, mm. is this something that. You know, your parents fostered creativity or is it like um, at school, you know, they kind of encouraged it?
2: I've got no idea. (laughs) Um, I've always been good at building Ikea. (laughs) Um, No, but uh, I was always the handy one around the house. So my brothers, uh, my twin brothers, definitely not that handy. I love (laughs) (laughs) you, Anthony. My older brother's definitely not that handy. I hate you, Robert. Um, (laughs) And my brother Peter's not handy at all. But um, no, I was always hands-on. So for me, it was just if I had an idea, I'd just go Mm. for it. I think for me, it's I like winning, but I don't care if I lose. Mm. So I always go to win and I always try and be the best that I can. But uh, if I fuck up along the way, I'm cool with that as well.
1: I'm not afraid of failure. No, I don't care. I don't have the
2: ego for that. I'm just like... I failed 100 times before yeah. DGR was even a success. Like,
0: uh, Are you still in a creative role now or does it feel more like you're managing a beast
2: you've created? It feels more like managing a beast we've created but mm. at the same time you still come up with concepts and ideas that you want to launch and yeah. you still get to even sort of express yourself through the merchandise side of things and be able to come up with concepts, ideas on how the website's actually mm-hmm. laid out. So it's still always there. Um, I think for me it's... I guess this is nine, year nine of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Uh, so for me, that guy that's been working for me for five years, Mikey, he's now stepped up into a general manager's role. Oh, really? So he's doing more of the hands-on with the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas I get to focus more on the Distinguished Gentleman's Drive, which for me is super exciting because I've loved cars forever.
1: So Um, it's the same thing but now with what, classic cars?
2: Yeah, so pre-'80s cars, Mm -hmm. and it's a bit of a different structure. The Distinguished Gentleman's Ride really was initially built to break the stereotype that motorcyclists and negative people um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that tends to happen with all the different 1% groups. There was the stuff that happened at the airport and it sort of feels like in the motorcycle industry that everyone gets paint, uh, painted with the same brush. What
1: happened at the airport? I
2: mean, um, there was a murder and some motorbike gang shit. Yeah, oh, like, wow. a big, okay.
1: like a big
0: like a... Big shooting. It um, was, was a bollard. Yeah, what it was ten? But years? there were shootings afterwards.
2: Yeah. Oh, I like think ten years ago, fifteen years ago. It was no, it'd be ten years ago. 10? just before wow. the distinguished Gentleman's ride. Right. Um. But that stuff. I mean, even overseas, a lot of it's a lot of it's got this negativity towards riding from the general community. Like we're ruthless. We're a bunch of hoons. Well, it's, we're it's, it's sons gangsters. of anarchy. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's it's exactly. Not, um, Whereas we're just like sons of about. hipster. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's for a, us, it's in Westies on bikes. And for us, it's just about riding motorbikes and having fun. And I mean, for me, it was. You know, I've been riding motorbikes now for only 10 or 11 years, mm-hmm. which isn't long compared to, you know, most people that start when they're young. Mm. Um, but before that, it was always cars for me. So yep. to finally be able to get back into the car side of things, using everything that we've learned through the Distinguished Nermans Ride to create an event that um, isn't about breaking stereotypes, but just about bringing classic car enthusiasts together and raising money for charity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's been awesome.
1: What? Sorry. Can you, are those birds an issue? No, it's fine. Oh,
0: they're fine. Okay, <laughs> they're, in, they're in the podcast. I'll leave it in. Are they? I've never heard the birds before. Sorry. But now <laughs> you can hear them. Yeah, on. now
1: I can hear everything. I'm like, those birds are freaking loud. Uh, okay, sorry. Keep no going. worries. <laughs> um,
0: so, uh, you know. When you were starting out, what were kind of the biggest challenges? Because is it a pure charity? Because you, said, you mentioned something right in the opening that you didn't understand why these things only had to be done through charity.
2: Yeah, so when we started, again, there was there was no charitable aspect mm. to it at all. Um, what essentially happened was it was a picture of Don Draper from Mad Men, John yeah, Hamm, yeah.
0: um,
2: and he was on a motorcycle in a suit and I thought, fuck, he looks amazing. I want to look amazing. <laughs> fuck it, let's put a suit on and go riding motorbikes and break the stereotypes along the mm. way and... You know we we're very fortunate that sixty four mates of ours from around the world basically stepped up and said, "Dude, we're in." And so in the first year, we we're in sixty four cities across really? fifteen countries, two and a half thousand riders. Um, so it didn't start off as a charity event, it was only when a, a friend of mine, Nigel um, basically came to us and said, "Hey, we've got this issue where we can't get men to talk about or open up about uh, prostate cancer right. because they still think it's a real intrusive um, test. Mm-hmm. They still think it's a finger up the backside. <laughs> And I thought, oh, what a great way motorcycles, that macho bullshit mentality that us mm. men in motorcycles have. I've gone, yeah, we'll fucking tackle this. Yeah. And, and, and Bend over, boys. And we tested every yeah. single. No, uh, we didn't <laughs> test anyone. But we spoke about testing, and yeah. a lot of the guys didn't actually realise that mm. it's a, it's a blood test. Yeah, um, it's a blood test and to a begin small with. Blood test. Wow, I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then obviously, if there's further investigation needed, so be it. But um, you know, when it's your life at risk, who cares, right? And so it was cool just to break that stereotype. And then I guess for us, the biggest issues that we had coming back to your actual question yeah. was uh, it never been done before. Like mm. what event is uh, global on the exact same day that has the same cause exactly. And so for us, it was really, the early days were highly unprofessional um, but you were still figuring out what the answers were to these questions. Cause you couldn't mm. just copy anyone. Right. There's yep. no benchmark. There was no book. The closest thing that we could draw comparisons to would be an event like Movember yeah. where it's global, but they don't have, you know, Physical events. We've yeah. got physical rides in every yeah. single city around the world. Um, so that was the biggest hurdle: was just basically figuring out how to how to keep some consistency between all the actual rides. Yep. Um, how to make sure that we didn't lose the brand itself or the mm. idea of what this is about, and and how to make sure that you know now one hundred and twenty five thousand motorcyclists are behaving <laughs> and setting a good example for the yeah, motorcycle yeah, yeah, community. Yeah.
0: So, what is involved in coordinating 64 Cities? Like, uh, on, the, on the cynical side, I'm like, is it just a website for each one of those cities? Or yeah. are you re- held responsible so for So, 64 more things, Cities was the was first, first year. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm interested. So, they that
2: was thing. 64 Cities. When we got to that stage, we'd already sort of set up some guidelines. Mm. And I'd worked with uh, all the different ride hosts. And basically, we had... I guess, like a minimum commitment to how you would run one of our events. You need a start point. You need a regroup. You need an end section. Everyone needs to be dressed up in suits. It's for classic styled motorcycles. Um, (laughs) Which
0: I always think is the most interesting thing sitting there, like what people count as classic styled motorcycles. Yeah, some
2: people are very confused, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, And so for us, it was was setting up the guidelines in a way where these guys could achieve them, but we're going to grow and learn together. And that's what we tend to do, right? I mean, every year we sit there and we analyze every single ride that we've done and we get feedback from probably two, two and a half thousand riders yeah. across different rides and we break it down and, and it sort of teaches us how to run the next year. And then, you know, there were different things where we'd met through a friend of ours, um, a risk assessment guy. Mm. So we invite him along and he does a <laughs> risk assessment and then we start going down the process of due diligence and having all these different plans in place and having people sign the right documentation before they go on the ride and on the website. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot involved, I think, the... Idea is, I mean, there might be people out there that go, oh, yeah, 682 rides. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. These guys take 20% to run that. That's bullshit. But the fact of the matter is it's still 682 physical rides. Mm. It's it's 682 potential uh, police permits that are required, uh, council permits, additional insurances. We've got insurance that covers every single volunteer on our rides, which costs us in excess of $100,000.
0: But also, who says 20% is not the right amount? Yeah. Uh, I think it's anyway because it's that, that uh, much broken with most charities. Uh, is they're run like charities instead of being to run like. Be honest, good businesses.
2: I think it's just dudes that don't understand business. Yeah, I think it's guys that sit that there and That seems like a pretty good margin. It's a, it's, cost. it's an amazing, amazing number, and it used to be thirty percent. And every year we work harder mm. to bring it down because we we're able to look at our processes and streamline mm. it. And the fact that we've now only got. Essentially, six staff running 682 events mm. is huge. I mean, I've got charities on a weekly basis getting in contact with us, going, How the fuck do you guys do what you do at mm. 20%? Because we would not be able to do it
0: at that. Because what happens on, like, and, and I'm a big advocate for charities, and anyone who works in kind of charitable sectors should be paid as if they're in the private sector because you get better talent. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got this problem of, you know, and again, obviously, it's really topical when lots of money is thrown at an issue like the bushfires where there's people on the ground saying, you know, it's it's not just the dollar value that we need to worry about. It's like all this money gets stuck somewhere and yep. it gets stuck within either the fire service who can't get it out quick enough because they're busy or get stuck within government entities and all the, all the scam bodies that just dollar for dollar for dollar's sake doesn't really make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, and it's a super tough one. I mean, I saw all the feedback that everyone had towards the Red Cross with all the fire stuff that was going on. And, you know, from my perspective, I still sit there and go, at the end of the day, I mean, if they don't have enough staff to distribute yeah. You got to make sure it's going to the right people. If you, mm. you can't just have people applying for money and you just saying, "Oh yeah, we don't have time to properly do our research. We're just going to give this person 10 grand because that's not fair to the people that have donated either." Yeah. It's such a tu- it's such a tough position to balance. I am stoked that we operate at 20%. Yeah. And if great. we continue to get big sponsors on board, then that number just drops down and down and again the only people that really dislike the 20% are essentially the guys that dislike me um, because they <laughs> feel that I should be doing it for free. And then when you sit there and go, okay, guys, how about you come donate a year of your time yeah. f- to us? Yeah. Like, oh, no, 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 no. We've got families. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. we all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, See,
1: I didn't even know that. I thought that you were a business that just had a, you, a part of a donation. I didn't know No, so that essentially
2: was. we are a business. I mean, yeah. to be completely transparent, we started off as a foundation. Yeah. Um, so we started off as a not-for-profit and it was called the Foundation of Man. Cool name. Yeah. It's a cool Thank name. Thank Fong. I might use it again. It was Fong. <laughs> <laughs> there's, <laughs> um, there's a hat in that. But there is a process where you do need a board of directors and all the rest of it, yeah. and it was essentially after um, I had an idea and I like to move pretty quickly on ideas. And we had to wait a month till the next board meeting. And I just said, yeah, this isn't working for me. Yeah, Because um, that that's what happened, sorry. Uh, it, was, it, was, just... it was bullshit, man. Yeah. It was just taking too long. And then I sat back and thought, you know what? We're already in 15 countries. Are we going to set up a foundation in every country that we operate in? Because that's the only way that you'll be able to tax deductibility for the people donating. Or is it smarter for us to partner up with the charities that we believe in that Mm. know more about this than we do. I didn't know anything about the science side of things. Like that's not my jam. Like I like running events. I like marketing. I like Mm. riding motorbikes. So we partnered up with the Prostate Cancer Foundation Australia. And then the year after it was America, Canada, New Zealand, UK, and Australia. And then three years ago we just thought, fuck it, let's partner up with Movember because they're in 26 countries around the world. Yeah. We love them. I've been a MoBro since their second year. Really? Yeah, back when you like I used to catch trains with my big dirty truck Mo. Oh yeah. And back then people would hide their kids from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like on the train just looking at you awkwardly, like, dude, it's for charity. Like, <laughs> now they just know it's well, for yeah, charity. Yeah. Everyone and knows you just,
0: they cool. just know you're a marigold hipster. But like. <laughs> back
2: then it was like Arab guy. Yeah. Truck moustache. South of south of Sutherland. On a train to Lidcombe. <laughs> <laughs> Could be gone to Lakemba. Yeah, yeah. No.
1: <laughs> oh. So how has it changed from 2012, The the process of – so what do they actually do? I haven't done one of the rides before, so – Oh, my God. Should that be
0: your next <laughs> thing? It, thing? it should be. At
1: every podcast we do, I don't have to then go and do the thing, okay? Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, <laughs> like if you want to be genuine, you <laughs> do. Yeah, no, yeah, that's not an authentic <laughs> way to do this. I actually there. do have my motorbike license, just <laughs> you so do, you know, You do, you do. Sorry. I've no, got my do. full you motorbike know. license. Um, I know how to ride a scooter, but if anyone wants to loan me their bike, I'm sure I'd be fine. Uh, we sure. definitely yeah.
2: find you a bike.
1: <laughs> a registered one. Yeah.
2: With insurance. With a battery. Yeah.
1: Oh Well, one, actually, one of my other questions was, do females ride?
2: Yeah, they definitely do. There's been females riding from year one. I think it was a bit weird at the start, right, because it was called the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, mm. but probably a little bit of a mistake in hindsight, but it's actually paid pretty well because we did end up – working closely with men's with men's health. So and now it makes sense. And we get a lot of female um, advocates that ride yeah. motorbikes with us. And, you know, there's some females that don't like the name, but, uh, you know, whenever the, the, the S word comes up, the sexism word comes up, um, pretty much 100 females will jump on one and basically say, well, wait a second, you do have a dad, you do have a brother, you do have an uncle. Exactly. Yeah, you know, We're raising money for them. Let's- and there are
1: so many female-focused charities out there as well. So, um, okay, well, that was one question. The other one is, so 2012, what did that first event look like? like how long did you ride? Um, did you like have to, I don't know, block off the roads or tell the police or did you just go, right, everyone meet at this point and we're going to just ride? somewhere else. What are those
2: things called where it's just like heaps of people meet up in one place? Like a
1: rave, flash mob,
2: oh. flash mob. It was <laughs> like, like a flash a mob. <laughs>
1: wow, well, it was rave. like a Colors rave showy. with no <laughs> with music
2: no pingers. and pingers. <laughs> um, no, it was like a flash mob. We met up. I think we the first year we started off at. Uh, I think it was single origin in the city. Yeah, oh, in Surrey Hills. Too, yeah, in Surrey Hills. And um, how many and people walked up? I think it was like 250 people. In 200 Reservoir Street. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, the the police did come down, but um, yeah, they were cool. Like once, uh, I think it's the fear from those high-rise buildings. They see lots of motorcycles, but if they were on the ground floor and actually saw who it was, and the fact that everyone's dressed up in a sartorial manner, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a very <laughs> different perspective to what they initially thought that they're seeing. So we ended up going for a ride, and the whole idea was to go for a ride through the heart of the city. Okay. So we went down, well, back then, George Street, because we could, yep. um, over the Harbour Bridge, mm. obviously through the rocks beforehand, um, Luna Park, ripped around and, and finished up at uh, Entertainment Quarter. For the first year it was it was something special. You sort of just knew that it was something special. And I'm sort of the hairs on my arms are standing up because you're riding down George Street and so much stuff has happened in the news of mm. motorcyclists in a negative manner. Yeah. And I see this lady on my left, and she's pushing her pram, and I'm sitting there in my own head going, "Oh mate, she probably thinks that you know this is Sons of Anarchy, this is <laughs> this is something, this is this is something sinister," because you can just hear the roar of all these motorbikes. And then she turns around and sees all these guys and girls dressed up in suits and dresses giving a royal wave, yeah. and it was so funny because as we got down uh, to the bottom of George Street, Circular Quay, I literally saw a lady. With an iPad, jump on the bonnet of a car and start recording the <laughs> whole thing, <movie. laughs> and it was just instant. And, and then I think the 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 strongest part of it was you sort of knew that straight away you were breaking stereotypes, but at the same time you had all the, your mates around you running motorbikes. But then there were another crew in Melbourne, another crew in Canberra, another crew in Brisbane, and then there's another crew in New York, LA, Milan, Rome. Wow. It's just it just felt like a small community event where you're interconnected with you know, 682 different communities Mm. around the world. It's pretty special.
1: And did people um, have to pay to participate everywhere for that first year?
2: So the first year, again, the first year 2012 was just let's go riding. Um, The year after was was when we started working with charity. Um, And now people, it depends on which ride, we sort of trialled a system where some of the rides have got a minimum uh, entry. So for the big rides that get packed out, like the Sydney, LA, New York, uh, I think it's a $50 minimum donation to take part in the actual event. And that was just to make sure that we had people that were passionate about the cause Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, We definitely don't want to be elitist and we don't want to exclude people that can't afford the 50, so they tend to get in contact with us and – yeah, you know, we just sit there and put them in a position where we say, you know, uh, try your best to fundraise, but yeah, we'll we'll let you in. Yeah. Um. People that can't afford the fifty bucks, they usually hit up five of their mates for ten dollars. Yeah. And that gets them to that number as well. Mm. So it's really every year we're sort of trialing different techniques to motivate these guys to to fundraise a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it gives them a bit more meaning as well. But again, it's so different. You've got different strategies across every country because some of the countries that we're in they don't have a fundraising culture. Mm. The Italians don't know what fundraising is. Like you sit there. For instance, if they sit there and say to their mate, oh, can you sponsor me? I'm riding my motorcycle in the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. They sit there and go, well, why the fuck would I give you money? It's like, no, 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 it's not for me. It's for the charity. That's slowly, slowly changing and and everyone's being educated. But again, there's some cultures like the third world countries that we're in where they don't raise money. But for us, it's about sort of getting them to look after their mates, Mm. getting them to speak to their mates. Um, For some regions, it's more so based around – them to see a doctor if they're over 45. Mm. Uh, there's so many different bits and pieces that make DGR as big and beautiful as it is. And it's it's ridiculous when you sort of sit back and go, there's literally probably about three three 350 different motorcycle riding groups that have formed because DGR brought these people together. Mm. And they sat there and thought, oh, I didn't know in the same situation as me when I didn't have any mates that rode motorbikes. Like, oh well, let's create something so we can see each other and go riding a little bit more often. And those groups become support networks because they met through men's health.
1: Yeah. And like even mm. a couple
2: of months ago, we had a ride that was at um, at Harry's Tempe and there were two older guys talking about uh, the I fact that Harris. they had their balls removed from testicular Really? Cancer. Wow. It's and I'm sitting there going, when I started this nine years ago, there's no way you would have heard two strangers talking about missing testicles. Yeah, like, it just wouldn't crazy. happen. Especially now, with Harry
0: de Wills, Yeah, You don't, I don't want know. to eat a hot dog and it talk t- about t- uh, losing a testicle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, <really> <laughs> you just you're cracking up at your own you, show. For,
2: for, for you guys that are listening, I'm just watching these two and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because Alex yeah. did not laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. I, I want to <laughs> speak to hot dogs. I want to ask... Um,
0: I well, want ask a weird question. What is the worst thing that could happen running these events? Um, Either from a brand or a, a you point of view as well. Oh, well,
2: realistically, I guess um, the worst thing that can happen is there's always an inherent risk in running motorbikes. Mm-hmm. So the death of someone, an injury, mm-hmm. um, I find the injuries pretty hard to deal with. They yeah. do happen uh, yeah. very rarely. Like we do have an amazing setup with the event where because we're dressed up in tweed and we're dressed up dapper, that it is through the heart of each city, which reduces the speed. So when you do have an accident, if there is an accident, they're always quite low speed accidents. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, 2015, um we we ended up having somewhat of a surplus, I guess. Yep. And um that was when I was kinda first paying myself. So I started in 2012, 2014. I was like, okay, this is full time. I've been doing this for free, living at home with mom and dad in Cogra. And um, I decided to take out insurance instead of pay myself. And that year I got sued for a million US dollars. What? For negligence really? because in, uh, in the beautiful country of America, <laughs> where I knew I was going to get sued from yeah. eventually, um, a guy that wasn't a part of the event but tagged along, he thought he would do a stunt and surf his motorcycle. Really? Didn't quite gauge at this event. He's, you know, about pulling your head in and just riding, you know, like a normal human being for just two hours—that's all I need.
0: S- surfing a motorcycle is when you literally stand on it. You better lock your throttle because mm. you know you mm. hang onto your throttle and your, yeah. and your scooter or whatever. So you literally stand on it and don't don't you move Stand it. on like, the bike like, like a yeah. surfboard. Oh. Yeah. And he fell that off. Sounds safe. He fell off and the bike kept on
2: going and, and hit a couple of the guys that were taking wow. part in the event. And oh the young guy that got hit—I mean, I had a chat to him and uh, we helped him as much as we could financially. Helped push his GoFundMe page. And he basically said, listen, there's no way I'd ever do anything against DGR. You know, what DGR has oh. done for this Atlantic community yeah. has brought everyone together and all the guys that have actually helped me get to my house. They've built a ramp of people that I've met through the Distinguished Letterman's oh. Ride. Um, and then three months later, I got called down to the Downing Center to pick up some documentation. And it was just this big wad of uh, slightly larger than A4 sized paper, <laughs> a lawsuit for a million US dollars oh, for negligence. So that was pretty tough. And wow, you've got to understand, yeah. 2014, I'm sitting there and I've wow. done this for so many years for free. <laughs> Parents are sitting there going, you've got this m- huge event, but you're still living at home and you can't afford to pay a board. Yeah. And then uh, you know, I made the commitment to, to put it into insurance and until this day if you're ever going to ask me a question about what's the best thing I've done in DGR, it was literally take out that insurance policy. because <laughs> Well, that was going to be next. So. Yeah, but to be honest, if I hadn't taken out that insurance policy, yeah. mm. one, they might not have sued me because they thought maybe that there was nothing there to sue. Um, but two, if they did sue me and I didn't have that insurance policy, that literally would have been the end of DGR. Yeah. So there wouldn't have been a DGR 2016, 17, 18, 19. And oh. in the last four years, the amount of money that we've raised and the amount of people that we've been able to help, I mean, we get probably... 50, 60 messages a year from people that sit there and go, if it wasn't for you guys would be dead. And they tell us their full story and we just sit there going, fucking hell. We did not realize that this was going to have that outcome. Um, We're talking everything from suicide prevention to guys getting checked a little bit earlier than they would have normally and finding out that they actually did have something wrong with them. Um, it always happens, and we try and document as many of those as we can. And so, yeah, if you check out our YouTube channel, you'll see a fair bit of videos based around those Definitely. stories, um, and also some of the programs that we fund. Yeah, we'll share them out for sure.
1: That must feel amazing. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Right. Yeah, it does
2: make us happy, and it gives us all—all all of us in the office. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. We all make a paycheck now, and we need to, yeah. but that's not the drive for us. The drive for us is—is is what can we uncover? What can we do differently? What research can we fund? Um, and we've got this—you know—beautiful position with Movember where we're raising the funds that uh, go to Movember. And so we get to dictate where those funds go within their organisation and we get to choose what we want to fund in regards to research. And we also get to choose what we want to fund in regards to um, the men's suicide prevention side of stuff, the awareness pieces and the programs as well. So it's pretty cool being in charge of uh, where our money goes. They're looking at each other and they're nodding heads.
0: (laughs) I was making an editor later. I think (laughs) think they're about to ask me
1: (laughs) out. I was going to ask, you know, you just made me forget what I was going to ask. It's going to sound really amazing. um, Well, a couple of quick fire things. Um, You know, if you would, I mean, if you were to define sort of what creativity means to you in your space, what would you say to that?
2: I've got no idea how to answer that you might even have to cut this out I don't know for us creativity for me creativity is I don't know just when an idea hits you just figuring out what to do with it like I've got this mate, I actually
0: love I, that I think that's a great answer I think like, a,
2: it's the, the most honest answer
0: to have yeah. had I was like yep that's but the it. hardest
2: parties the hardest is when, when you're me and you just get smashed with ideas on a daily basis like I forget most of my ideas and I don't even write them down I always think oh, I should have had those voice recorded things and like <laughs> even, even today I'm driving here and my mate Simon makes the most amazing donut in the history of the world, right? They're so good and I'm constantly trying to go, dude, let me go into business with you. Let me go into business with you. And I'm driving and I just came up with this idea and literally I am pissing myself laughing and I'm calling him to write it down. And he's one of those best mates that sort of really hates me because I laugh at my own jokes before I've even said them. And (laughs) and the whole advertisement for him when he does decide to go into business was having a picture that has an older lady and it says um, your mum's nuts and she's holding like cashews next to her, you know, region down there, but she's fully clothed. And then it's got Simon's donuts and he's holding donuts. There. And it was just like, uh, and I'm pissed myself off because I don't understand why it's funny. I'm like, just wait till we take the photos yeah. and we see it. And then I, I, I don't know, man, creativity is a weird one. It's sort of, sometimes you can go for months without having to rip an idea and, Sometimes, I, mean, I remember I, there was, there was a, this, like a, a pet shop next to our area and I had this um, kids, kid's sort of story, this book that I wanted to write. And I, I started writing it. It was probably like 10 pages and I was, I was crying by the end of it and I can't find where I wrote it. I don't, uh. remember, I don't even remember the majority of the story and I'm just like, oh, my God, why didn't I just be a little bit more organized? That's uh. the worst part. I wish I was organized because then I would be able to actually use my creativity.
1: It's not amazing. I mean, I think a lot of people out there are probably super organised, and like, I wish I just had more creative ideas. And then here you are with, you know, a rainbow full of ideas in your mind. <laughs>
2: My staff hate me like literally. Our office, <laughs> guys, their, guys, look at this. <laughs> their desks are so beautiful and clean, and then I've just got like fucking post-it notes everywhere. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and I literally have to write everything down, or I forget. Everything gets written down, or I literally forget. Even this meeting, I forgot that I haven't had a
1: podcast today. <laughs> we got you. And that was written yeah. down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what? Sorry, I was going to go to the next one.
1: I was going <laughs> to ask him the final question, but you go.
0: Oh, okay. I'll ask one more, then you. Oh, is that going to be the final one?
1: What's next? was going to be
0: my next one. Oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How, what bikes do you own? I need ah, to get some bike nerdiness this is, out of you. This, this is a list. Quick. Um, I've still got <laughs> my- Alex I've
2: turns right, recording I've up. i still got my Yamaha SR500, nice. which was the yep. first bike. Excellent. Um, it got flipped and rebuilt because someone crashed it. Um, I've got a- I'll go through all the Triumph stuff because yep. they proudly support our events. Uh, Triumph Scrambler, Triumph Speed Triple, Triumph Thruxton R, nice. Triumph Rocket R, yep. which is the big 2.5 yeah. litre motorbike. That's it's fun. like having a car in between your legs. Yeah. Um, that could sound really weird. Um <laughs> I've got a Suzuki GSXR, I've got a Honda VFR four hundred, mm-hmm. I've got a DRZ four hundred dirt bike, yep, I've got a I Yamaha like DT two fifty, I've got a Honda C B one two five, I've got a Harley Davidson shovel head, which is all out chopper. Very cool. I think that's it. Well, you live down oh, down no, the, I've got a Ducati as well. That, which Ducati? It's a MH900A. It's like a, it was a concept bike that they made 2,000 of because everyone just went wild when they sort of first saw it. Really? So oh, you'll I've have to show me that. Those. That one lives in the actual dining room. All right, I live down the road. The whole dining down. room just smells like <laughs> petrol you now, though. You just fall in love. I think
1: you're man crush ever. <laughs> remember
2: the what are man. you doing inside my house on yeah. my motorbike <laughs> <laughs> when I'm I a- didn't give you any keys?
1: All right, final question. You've done so many amazing things. Things to date over the last nine years. What's next?
2: Um, probably the distinguished gentleman's ride. Right. I mean, that's just, I just said the distinguished gentleman's ride. Right. You know what I fucking hate? I hate when it's 2019 and you're going into 2020, and 2020 comes and you keep on saying 2019. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I'm like now yeah. with the distinguished gentleman's ride and drive. I'm right. t- trying to say the distinguished gentleman's drive, drive, and I say the distinguished gentleman's ride. Um, The Distinguished Gentleman's Drive is is the next one for us. That's happening May 31st, pre-1980s cars. Um, And just
1: go on the website and register? Yeah,
2: gentleman'sdrive.com. We're looking for people that are going to be hosts. So that's Mm. great. I mean, if you're in Sydney, I'm hosting the Sydney one, so feel free to tag along. But- I think that's got the potential to be slightly bigger than the distinguished men's ride in a few years. Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys love their classic, the broader their classic PI cars. Yeah, still. and you know what? Not just that, but uh, you know these classic cars. Some of them have got three additional seats, so your fundraising can go from right. just the driver to oh. the passenger to the yeah. passengers at the back as well. So it's going to be a fun event. Um, you know, it'll take us a little bit of time to find our feet, but we just get it. we just get it done. <laughs> and you're looking
1: for hosts like all around the world. Yeah, so we've
2: got 61 hosts around the world so oh. far. Um, hopefully that will be probably closer to a hundred by the time we actually have the event and people start to see it more. But uh, we've got heaps of brands getting in contact with us. But we we aren't even focusing on sponsorships for the first year. For it, it's just. Keep it organic, yeah. keep it authentic, start slow, and let's just see where it goes. Like the first ride. Yeah, pretty much. And
1: then when's the next Distinguished Gentleman's Ride? It's
2: always the last Sunday of September, so I okay. think that's the 27th of September this year.
1: Yeah, and have you opened registrations for that yeah.
2: Uh No, but people can pre-register, so that's awesome. easy. That's Gentleman'sRide.com. Which I'm uh, now pre for 2020, not 2019. <laughs> Can you take me back to your bike? Can
1: yeah. you come do it. Yeah. Okay. That's a great way, really way of doing awesome. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's Slow. It's really nice. Okay. I'll take you. All right. Yeah, the awesome. Sydney ride's
2: awesome. Sydney ride, we go over the Harbour Bridge, next to Luna Park. It's, yeah. it's super it's really scenic, nice. and we get so much support from police and council and all yeah. the rest of the guys. It's 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 cool. It's it's nice doing something that sort of, um, I guess, changes people's perception. That's for sure. And it's an
0: ex- it's it's nothing like anything else you'll ever experience. Like it's so tactile. Like. L- being surrounded by a hundred, like hundreds of bikes, the smell, the feeling, the heat, and people yeah. are dressed up, and everyone's dressed up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, fantastic. I love and Everyone's
0: it. got a different outfit every
2: year. It's yeah. like a, it's like a fashion. Show. It is it's like awesome. a fashion show. <laughs> it's, so, it's so awesome. It's I, I mean, I still cannot smile. I did the Sydney ride last year, which is the first time I've done the Sydney ride in five years, and it mm. was just we started off at Bondi this time. Yeah, that was we nice. Started off next I like to the that. beach. Yeah, it was so I went so with cool.
0: the. Uh, they'll kill me if I don't remember, shout out the uh, French riders' crew. Oh yeah, so uh, cool. yeah, are they from France? No, definitely. Wee wee, wee wee, a bumble. Awesome.
1: Mark, thank you so much. It's been a really inspiring episode. Um, thank you so much for coming on Maker and Creator. Thanks for having me, guys. Catch you on the ride. Yes, and thank you guys for listening out there. Uh, we are into season three of Maker and Creator. Woo! Um, you should um, come and check us out. Out. Uh, what have you written here, Jai? You written so you can here, come no? to
0: our Facebook group, which we just renamed to <laughs> "Your Good Get Better," just oh. park it into our bigger network of podcasts and events. Yeah. Uh, but all the Maker and Creator tech crew are still there. You'll still get updates and photos and no one else gets uh, and if you want to find you, where are you
1: are, I'm at Ms Darlinghurst on Insta um, and you can also hit Jai. He's at Jai Smith. And, um, yeah, we also have a YouTube channel and lots of other things to check out. If you know someone who absolutely loves motorcycles um, or philanthropy or mm. would be interested in this episode, please share it with them and any other episodes that might tickle your fancy.
0: And now that we're in a new year, iTunes wiped our ratings. So what? give us a new five-star rating and we'll be really appreciated. I didn't know yeah, that. Oh, my God, everyone, yep. give, us, give us five give stars. Give us five stars yeah, yeah. and we'll start reading the reviews out live.
1: Okay, bye. Right, bye. <laughs>
0: To find out more, visit yourgoodgetbetter.com to join the mailing list, Facebook group, or get in touch.